It must be that uh, Lee knows that I'm Italian and time is a little bit on the relative side. So, <laughs> there we go. Good morning. Saw you touching your hair here. You missing it? There we go. There we go. <laughs> so do we. So do we. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we come to you again this morning needing you, needing you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to believe and absorb and that we would continue to taste and see that you're good. Don't let anything come out of my mouth that is not from you. May you be the one that is seen and heard and responded to. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. May the God himself, our God, our heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, do what? Release grace over you. Release grace over you. And impart total well-being into your lives. When I committed my life to the Lord when I was 14 um, at a TCK retreat where we were challenged to um, make our beliefs our own, to either decide whether what mom and dad had taught you was what you were going to take as your own or not. And it was an all or nothing type of scenario. And I made a very um, deliberate choice. Say, I choose to believe. I choose to follow. And my visual in my mind at that point in time was I was committing to get on board a train for the rest of my life. I was committed to reading the Word of God, practicing, practicing it in as much as I po possibly could, and I was going to trust in the conductor. <laughs> now, I had no idea where those tracks of life were going to take me. None whatsoever. But I felt like I could trust the one that was going to be the conductor. <laughs> Little did I know that it wasn't going to be a train ride. That's a lot more like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> You know, over the course of several years, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've said, Lord, would you make me 100% dependent on your Holy Spirit? And as soon as I pray that, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> oh, man. And when that doubt comes in, I'm going, wait a minute, no, no, no. Why should I hesitate to say that? Is he not greater, bigger, better more trustworthy than what I would ever imagine. So yes, I repeat that. I pray that I would be 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would do all that you desire in and through me. Do whatever you takes to change me, to mold me, to make me. Because I want you to complete your work in me. I want to 
be willing to yield, willing to do, not just to hear, not just to believe, but actually walk and experience it. You say, you say that you've come to give us abundant life. I'm not living that. What in the world does it mean anyway? Holy Spirit, would you do whatever it takes? Make me into all that you want me to be as a woman, as a friend, as a sister, as a daughter, as a wife, as a mom, as a mother-in-law. God, that's a whole other thing. Jeez. Seriously? <laughs> Nobody gave me that memo. Missionary. Nanny. Companion to the elderly. Tutor. You see, I grew up going to Edelandia, downtown Naples. And there's this old roller coaster. And um, it's still there. And we'd get on it. And it wasn't exactly the safest thing. There were no seatbelts. I mean, I, there might have been a bar, but you know, bar could have been broken. <laughs> and man, I remember being on that roller coaster. And we would just, you know, your head would almost, you know, be really close to those bars as you're going around and around in circles, up and down and around. Now I was young, had a strong stomach back then. <laughs> Today I'd do that, I'd have to have a boatload of Dramamine, you know? But I tell you, situations like a roller coaster mimic life, don't they? Don't they, really? You know, <laughs> your stomach drops, you're left, off balance, dizzy. Sometimes adrenaline, sometimes just sheer petrified terror. And then we get to that end of that roller coaster and doggone it, you know what they would do? They'd do the whole thing backwards. <laughs> you go, really? And there were times on that roller coaster that we would be literally hanging upside down, because they do these loop thingamajigs, upside down, and the thing decides to stop. You're hanging. You're in waiting mode. And you feel like life is upside down. Life is that way. And Paul, in his prayers, addresses real life. He's living that real life. The Ephesians who are reading this letter are living Really, a hellish roller coaster ride, aren't they? So he's not talking like theoretically, yeah, I want you to experience who God is in a deeper way simply because it's an add on to your life, simply because it's something good to have to make you feel better. It's not his purpose, it's not his intent. It was not his reality, and nor is it ours. Yesterday, we um, touched on the power of God. What's that look like? What's that inner strengthening of our being look like? 
I want to read out of the message today what we're going to continue to look at. Paul says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, our Father, remember? Our magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. And I ask him to strengthen you. The word strengthen is I'm asking him to to help you grasp to help you master and hang in there when there's resistance. When you're feeling the resistance, I'm praying that he would strengthen you. He would give you that power to push through the resistance, to hold fast in your mind. Think about what you're thinking when you're up against that resistance. I'm praying that you will be clear-headed. You'll remember the truth. And you will have the power to observe and actually follow through with what you know is best for you, guided by the word of God. So I'm praying for you to strengthen you by his spirit. Now, not a brute strength, not a grit your teeth, I'm just, I have to do this because there's really no other option and I'm just going to do it however, however and whatever it takes. And I'm, and I'm going to do it tentatively. I'm going to do it tentatively because really instead of that God-given strength, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a coward. I'm gripped by fear. And, and that fear makes me feeble. And that feebleness morphs into sickness, infirmity. Ladies, I, I'm not coming up with this stuff. This stuff is packed in these words because his spirit speaks truth and knows our reality. And he's saying, pray, pray to our God, our Father, our magnificent Father. Pray to him and ask him that he would give you that strength to push through the resistance, hold fast in your mind and observe instead of being held captive by a spirit of fear and cowardice and feebleness and infirmity. He says, no, but I'm praying that you'll have that inner strength, that one that's going to push through in truth, that Christ will live in you, dwell, will live in you, as you open the door and invite him in, the whole dwelling aspect that we talked about yesterday. Now, I don't know about you, but the time that my house is the cleanest is when I have, well, supposedly, when I have planned guests. How's that? Okay? Yeah? My kids know when to scamper, man, because (laughs) I'm giving orders right and left, because I know they're going to be knocking on that door and coming in, and I want to have things ready. Okay, what happens if I am not having a good day that morning? I don't have my don't have my undergarments on, under or bra, whatever. Just I'm relaxed, and my hair's every which way. And somebody knocks on the door, and I look through the peephole, and it's my best friend. 
And, and I, was, I was having it out. I was, I was having a bad morning. My response to letting her in is, gosh, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I don't have anything to hide. You know, can, 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 we just, can we just sit down? You know, and I'm so stinking overwhelmed. And she says, you know, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's, that's, that's what, that's, Jesus wants to dwell in us. He wants us not just to do things right, to have the right faith, to preach the gospel the right way, to have the best relationship for the sake of, for the sake of those, those things that, that we're taught we're supposed to do. He longs to be known. He longs to want to be hung out with. He longs to come into our home and feel at home. But he's not going to barge through that door. He, just like if you're not invited, if you don't feel welcome, you don't want to go in, right? You really don't. So we pray that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And we ask him, our Father, that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Now listen up. Reach out, reach out, and experience the breadth of his love. Test, test and see its length. Plumb to the depths. Rise to the heights. Roller coaster. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. And then he goes on to say, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. So, <clears throat> we're back to the fact that in order for him to answer us, this prayer, it's through the Spirit of God. You see, Living by the Spirit of God, I've said, is not normal, okay? It's not impossible. It's possible, but it's through the supernatural yielding of the Spirit of God. Otherwise, it is impossible. It's ludicrous. Who do we think we are? Seriously? But through the Spirit of God, it is possible. In Galatians 5... 16 to 23, it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. What happens when we yield to the Spirit? And, and the message again says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time or living according to how you feel one day to the next. It says when you do that, <coughs> when you're just doing it on your own, okay, 
you get a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Get caught in that cycle sometimes. Frenzied and joyous grabs for happiness. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. Well, my teammates do such and such. My extended family does such and such. All consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. <coughs> divided homes. A divided home, life. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. And I'm going to add some. Using or manipulating people to get my needs met. Or controlling people because I know what's best. When we are yielded to the Spirit of God, He brings and develops gifts into our lives. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, a, a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion of the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Now, these things, even though they're spirit-controlled, keep in mind, it's a process. It's not like all the time one, all the time the other. You want to ask and yield and say, I want to be 100% controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because as a teenager, when it was like, are you going to follow Christ or not, I evaluated. What has my life looked like when I have yielded to the Spirit of God? And what has it looked like when I've done whatever I felt like doing? I'm a pragmatist, remember? <laughs> so, well, if it has to be all or nothing, if I'm going to have a goal towards something, it makes more sense to me to trust him, to yield to him, and to experience the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is the power of God at work in us. And Paul is praying that his readers, that the Spirit will be so strong an influence at the control center of their lives that it will be actually seen. I think he was a pragmatist as well. He longs to be in relationship with us, not just to be a slot machine, a candy machine. I put it in, I get what I want, and then I forget it. I consume it and I forget it. He longs to be in relationship. The power of the Spirit is less for great deeds, doing things, and, and he is more for helping us understand who God is, know who God is, engage with who God is. The Spirit's work is not independent of our activity or a substitute for our effort. It's not like, okay, if I ask it, then poof, it already happens. And all of a sudden, I turn into this amazingly gracious person. 
Yeah, I thought you'd think that was funny. <clears throat> the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. What is required from our part is the openness to allow God to work and a willingness to listen, to hear, and give attention to him. Paul goes on to pray, and he's, he's talking, um, if I find it here, in Ephesians 3. He's saying, this is his prayer now, and may you, having been deeply rooted and grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, and he goes on into the description of his love. But I want to stop for a minute. <laughs> he goes on to pray. He says, rooted and established in love. Okay, so I know who's in this room. And I would venture to guess that rooted and established are not exactly two of your favorite words, nor reality. <laughs> right? Okay. Rooted. The opposite is uprooted or rootless. And established. Hmm. No particular place to call home. In fact, I'm not even sure w we could come up with a good definition. What does home mean to you? It's just that nebulousness because we move around so often. How many moves? How many types of ministries? How many times have you changed places? But it's interesting here that Paul is using agriculture and architecture for his analogy. In Ephesians 2:18 to 20, he says, For through him we, both Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one spirit. He's, he's continuing on with the spirit. Consequently, what happens? Consequently, he says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. In other words, we fit. We don't have to feel like I'm too American to be Spanish, and I'm too Spanish to be an American. Or I'm not Indian or Chinese or Filipino enough, but neither am I American enough. We are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet, uh, prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you. you see, according to this, we do have a family. We are a part of a people group. We fit. Being here in these last few days, we've heard time and time again, it's so nice to be with others that get it. The day we are in heaven, we are all going to get it. <laughs> Nobody is going to be ugh, just off a little. No, no. And so he goes on and he says, okay, so 
I'm praying, remember this is a request. It's not, it's not just a fact, he's asking for it. And he's asking for it more than once. He's praying constantly, okay? And he says, and may you, having been deeply and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints his love. So we, he references again that power. May you be fully capable of comprehending. And then he says, together with all the saints. You see, we're not meant to live alone. We have a huge connected family worldwide, and I know that we have lived through far too many goodbyes. I know that. I know that. Far too many roommates than we, than we could ever count. When uh, we were leaving Spain, my husband and I went back to pack up our bags without our kids. Um, and uh, later we went back with our kids to say goodbye. But to pack up the house, the boxes, we did it on our own. And I went into my daughter's room and um, you know, taking down the pictures and the stuff that we hadn't sold that was going to stay there, the personal mementos. And I had cross-stitched her a picture of several bunnies. And it was like this, this frame here. And so I go and I take, I take the picture off the wall. And nailed to that wall, literally, was a letter that she had written to God. And it was like, God, couldn't Dad just have a job that would, we would be in one place? She was 11. And the level of pain and expression of that pain, she was directing to her father. If you ask Natalia today, she's 26, and you say, we, we, we talk about our exit and our entry back into the States, and she says, yeah, it's, I mean, painful, complicated, blah, struggles, ups, downs. And she says, you know what, but Mom, you know what? I would do it all again. I have so much more of a rich person having had to go through all those good goodbyes and those hellos and that risk and that awkwardness of making new friends and not having friends and ugh, feeling alone. And yet what? The inner strength to persevere and to push through and to taste and know that he knows and he cares and he's there and he, he has you. We're not meant to be alone. We will have to say goodbyes over and over and over. But when you have a friendship that is connected with a spiritual investment, there is, there is a, a richness that others don't have. And he says, I want you to, together with the saints, and now he's going to go in to experience this over-the-top, crazy roller coaster love of God. I know that coming back to the States on home assignments and, and trying to connect with a culture you've been out of is awkward at best and painful at most 
and isolating. And, and sometimes it's just easier to say, forget it. You know what? I am just going to be alone. Yes, I'll have to do my presentations. But other than that, you know, my heart, uh-uh-uh. And besides that, I'm not sure that anybody really cares about my heart because they don't understand. I know that. I know that. And I also know that here it's saying, together with the saints to experience his crazy love. Will we, will we yield to the Spirit as an answer in this prayer and say, okay, I don't know that anybody wants to know anything and connect with my heart. But somehow, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to somehow share in the bountiful fruits and experience of his love? We're not meant to be alone. It won't be easy. I have no easy solution to say, this is what I did, and I had a deep friend within, get, get this, my time frame. That didn't happen. But can I release my definition in my, I'm a TCK, okay? I, <laughs> if it doesn't fit, then you're out. It's really an issue of pride. Say, who do I think I am? That they have to be at my level to be my friend? To share a piece of my heart? And can I, can I, can I come to him and say, I'm sorry? For as foreign as the United States is when we come in and out, would you show me, give me, prepare for me divine appointments where I can connect and learn of you and share you? So he goes on to say, he says, together with the saints, we're not meant to be alone. And he's talking about his love now. He says, with the saints. Just lost my place. Fully capable of understanding with all the saints, the width, the length, the height, and the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. Can we open up the box and say, okay, I think I know what his love is. I'm not feeling it. So, yeah, he doesn't love. It's an extreme. I tend to be an extremist. Can we open it up and say, can you show me? Can you define, can you redefine his love? Through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, and you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Let's put some practical examples to these over-the-top descriptions. Okay. If you turn to Romans 8.35, you're going to get some practical practical examples of what uh, worldly love would not be. And he's saying, in spite of this, this is God's love. It says, do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, car breakdowns, sickness, chronic fatigue. Not hard times under support lack of direction, 
loneliness, aging parents. Not hatred, anti-American sentiment, maybe apathy on the part of your churches. Not hunger, not homelessness, finding a place to stay while you're in the States or a visa to get back into your other country or where your college kids are going to live. Not bullying threats, team issues, family. Not backstabbing, betrayal. He says none of these phase you because Jesus loves us. <laughs> and I'm going, really? <laughs> because it sure doesn't feel that way sometimes. You can be honest with them. Engage with it. Engage with it. But Lord, give us the wisdom and the willingness to say, would you open my heart and help me understand what your, if, if your love truly, if nothing can drive a wedge between your love and, and I'm living these circumstances, would you show me what that means? In the previous chapter, in Romans 8, 26 to 28, he says, the moment we get tired of waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. Are you in that period of time where you're having to wait? And the wait is getting long? He says, I haven't forgotten. I know. I know. Trust me. And not only just trust me, but he goes on the offensive for us because it says that he is praying in and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. Again, raw emotion is good. It's okay. He's doing that on our behalf too. He knows us far better than what we know ourselves. And he knows that we are yearning and hurting and waiting like, like you're two weeks overdue, pregnant. Like, when is this baby going to come? <laughs> when are we going to be face to face with him where things are put right? It creates more of a, of a desire, a yearning to be with him. You get to the point where you say, well, can, can he really be so faithful to help me experience this love? Can he really? In the midst of those things that hurt and cause tension, like with my son, William, and his now wife, Corey. I wanted to tell you that he went on his first deployment. He's in the Army. And three weeks after he left, this was a year and a half ago, his wife miscarried. Two weeks after that, his truck ran over an IED. And by God's grace, he wasn't killed. Fast forward 
to a second deployment now, and you know that you know that it can happen. And yet my heart yearns that God not just be in their back pocket, but that his heart be transformed by the love of God with a to be all that the man of God that he can be and God wants him to be. And it's a process. You see that you're in a waiting thing and you got mom and dad <laughs> just praying on his behalf before the throne and praying for their hearts that they would grow close to God. And a month ago, I had, I had a pre-retreat, and my, my daughter-in-law came. I invited her, and she came. And much to my surprise, she was right up, face-to-face, -face, listening to what I had to share. God is on the move during the waiting. The waiting is not separating us from the love of God. It's inviting us in to experience the love of God. Are all these requests that Paul prayed really possible? Can we really grow deeper and know him better? Can his love really be active in our lives? What does his love look like in my reality? With all my failures, my resistance, can he really truly fill me with a full measure, a fullness of God, really be mature, complete? Really, seriously, can I, can I, can I, can I ask this and really expect an answer? Can I let that answer look the way he wants? This is the way Paul finishes. He says, he answers that question. Can this really happen? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him that is, and here he goes off on it again, able, power, thoroughly strong, to do exceedingly, over and above, beyond measure, abundantly, excess, U.S. in a lot of ways, above a certain measure or standard, above all that we could ever ask. Even think of asking everything that we could long for, our thirst, that hole in our heart, according to the power that works actively in us. Unto him be the glory in the church throughout all generations. Our kids, the people we work with, all the way through their kids. And the message, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And how does he do it? He does it not by pushing us around, but by working deeply within us, his spirit gently working in us. That's the answer to whether he's able and if he has a desire to give us the gift to accomplish these things. I told you at the beginning that Paul started his letter with may his grace be released to you and peace. And this is how he finishes the letter. He says in chapter 6, 23 to 24 of Ephesians, Love mixed with faith be yours, not because you're self-generating it, but from the God, the Father, and our Master Jesus Christ. Pure grace, pure blessing, okay? 
and nothing but grace. His work on our behalf, not our grit. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. I've got to do it better. Grace. Nothing but grace. Be with all of you. All of you who love our master Jesus Christ. Ladies, family reunion has been amazing. Take a deep breath, literally, and inhale his grace. Relax. He knows what you're going back into. He knows. And inhale his peace while his spirit works deep within each one of you to be that pure vessel through whom he shines for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your grace. We receive your grace. We're grateful for your peace, and we receive your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.